It is a joy to take communion together today, and if you grab the elements on the way in, excellent. If you haven't, just slip to one of the exits there, and you'll see the cup. Uh, and it's one cup, but it's the bread and the juice together, and take that uh, with you. Hold on to it till the end of this message. If you're at home, please grab some bread, grab some juice. Uh, this is one of the rituals that Jesus told us to do. We remember his death, his sacrifice for us, his love, his grace, his resurrection, and we're one body together, taking communion together, and uh, it's a joy to do that and draw near to God in that way. Uh, also, we want to celebrate Next Gen. We had tremendous middle school and high school last week. So many students uh, full of life and good to connect with each other again. That raises a great opportunity. If you're interested in serving, there's many different roles. But for Next Gen, middle school and high school, uh, just write that down on the connecting card and we'll give you more information. We have middle school now at 1045 and high school Sunday nights at 630. Let's continue to pray for our students as well. During this time when they're learning from home, so many things are changed in their world. Let's lift up families. Let's lift up homes. Let's lift up students. Let's continue to pray for each other. And we're in a series right now in relationships, and this is Genesis. Uh, we're going through the book of Genesis, just a couple weeks left, Relationship Roadmap. And today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. And our theme is wrestling with God, and we're looking at the life of Jacob. Wrestling with God, Genesis chapter 32. What we're seeing in this series is that our relationship with God truly affects every relationship we have. And what strengthens our relationships is when we're abiding with Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you that we're gathered as your family, Lord. Thank you for our church family, multi-generational, multicultural. God, so many different stories, personalities, life situations right now. But what we have in common, Jesus, is you and your love. And the most important things in life we have in common. And God, we are looking to you. We want to strengthen our relationships. We want to draw near as families, friends, church family. And God, we need your power. We need your vision. And Lord, I pray that today we would humble ourselves and trust you and honor you in our relationships. Lead and guide us by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wrestling with God. On the one hand, it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? To think that we're going to wrestle with our almighty, all-wise, all-knowing creator who's holy and full of love and full of grace. We're going to wrestle with God. And yet it's real. All of us in different ways, every day, I would say, are wrestling with God to trust him, to honor him, to follow his word. Wrestling with God can come out of a place in life of rebellion and sin. Wrestling with God can come out of a place of disappointment. Sometimes we're grieving and mourning. Sometimes we wrestle with God and it's really related to our desires and our dreams and sometimes we wrestle with God because we want to take control, and it's really about who's leading. And as we wrestle with God, as Jacob wrestles with God, we see a process here from resisting God to resting in God. From resisting the Lord to resting in him and in his promise and in his grace. God will wrestle us until he wrestles the sin out of us. And he will wrestle us until he blesses us with humility, 
We're going to see it in Jacob's life. I think we can relate to this. Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 22, we're going to take a look at a wrestling match. And this message has two halves. The first half is really to get to know Jacob better and to look at the wrestler. And then the second half of the message, three good things that we see that come out of this wrestling match. And you probably picked up on it already, but when we talk about wrestling with God, there are some very positive aspects of seeking God, tenaciously uh, drawing near to God holding on to God. And then there's also sometimes some negative aspects where we just want to be self-sufficient and we don't want to have to rely on God and we're kind of fighting against his plan. And you see all of this in Jacob's life. Genesis chapter 32, a very unique and remarkable passage, but also one that all of us can relate to. Uh, Starting in verse 22. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Jacob is wrestling with God. Anyone with two wives is wrestling with God. Anyone with two wives and two maidservants is wrestling with God. Anyone who has children with all four ladies is wrestling with God. He is wrestling with God. He is stubborn. He is determined. Whenever you read the Bible and you come up across a person or a character, I encourage you to really make that a Bible study. If you read the name Titus or Silas, open up the Bible and really get to know that person, David, Abraham. And we're going to do that with Jacob. Hopefully our time in the Word during the weekend encourages you to be in the Word during the week. And you can have so many wonderful Bible studies and be fed with the Word of God. Have a study Bible. Get into God's Word and get to know Jacob better because how God works in Jacob's life is how God works in our lives. It also moves us forward in our faith. As we look at Jacob's story, and he's a wrestler, in our culture, we have something called WrestleMania, and I did a little research. It started in 1985. This is the largest wrestling event in the world. There's been 35, over 35 WrestleManias, and how many people have ever watched a WrestleMania live? Just curious. All right, a lot more Saturday night WrestleMania fans. Sunday morning, not as many. I grew up watching wrestling, but I've never watched a WrestleMania live. 967 million people watch WrestleMania. Let's consider Jacob's life in the terms of WrestleMania. There were many WrestleManias, and the first one we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 25. Let's call this WrestleMania 1. Genesis 25, starting in verse 24. This is in the womb. And his mom, Rebecca, is pregnant with twins. She's about to give birth. And it says in verse 24, When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So his name was Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The name Jacob means grasping the heel. Deceiver. And you think about inside the womb, 
Jacob and Esau are already wrestling. They're wrestling inside the womb. Why? Because in that culture, the first child out, the oldest child, has the inheritance and will receive the blessing. In Jacob, think of a figure four leg lock in wrestling. This is kind of a four-finger ankle lock. And he's grabbing his brother because he wants to get out first, and he's wrestling to be first out of the womb. It's interesting how all of us have this bent towards me first. In Jacob, he wants to be first out of the womb, to be firstborn, to receive the blessings. We've never had to sit down our kids and explain to them and teach to them, all right, selfishness. This is how you do it. Uh, Kids who are all made in God's image, every child is a gift, every child is wonderful, but what we have to teach kids is unselfishness. And what we're still learning, all of us at our age, is unselfishness. To not be me-centered, to not be the center of the universe, but to think about how I can serve and build other people up consistently during the week. And it starts in the womb. It's WrestleMania, really with God, with his brother. Jacob's going after it. That's how he has the name deceiver and a grasper of the heel. Well, Jacob didn't get out of the womb first. That was Esau. And Jacob wasn't going to give up this early. Uh, So we take a look now at WrestleMania 2, Genesis chapter 25, and starting in verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, and Jacob was a good chef. He liked to hang out with mom. He was good in the kitchen. He probably would have won cooking shows back then. Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. When you hear the word birthright, that's really the inheritance that the firstborn would receive, this great inheritance. And when you read this passage, it's like, what just happened? We all understand hungry, or sometimes even a little hangry. We get a little angry. We're not thinking right when we're hungry. But what Esau did right here is he just traded the birthright for some soup. Soup. Lentil soup. I don't care how good the lentils are. That was not a wise move. He at least could have got some tri-tip, some dessert thrown in there. All he got was some soup and a little bread on the side for the birthright. Why? Because Esau is is duped by Jacob. Jacob's clever. Jacob just got the birthright. In wrestling, this would be a reversal. God's watching everything that's going on in the wrestling match. God's watching it. Now, WrestleMania 3, Genesis 27. We're getting to know Jacob better. It's important to know the buildup as we read Genesis 32. What's going on before that? Genesis 27, verse 19. Now, Dad, Isaac, is about to give his blessing, and Jacob wants it. It really is going to go to Esau. That's Isaac's intent, but Jacob's going to steal it. Verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. That's what Jacob said. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Now Jacob's even going to bring God into his deception. 
You ever been around someone who had a lot of religious deception, who would kind of talk about God, but then there's a whole other story going on? Well, Jacob's going to twist anything for his advantage. And near the end of his life, you know, Isaac's going to bless his son, but Isaac, he's not seeing things as clearly. And some of his senses you know, are fading some, and he's trying to discern, which of my kids is this? Well, Jacob, in cahoots with mom, served up his favorite meal, put on his brother Esau's clothes, got some animal fur so he'd look more hairy, and came over and stole the blessing. A blessing in that culture is not just like a prayer at night or a prayer before a meal. A blessing is uh, solemn, it's binding, and it's from the dad, and it's bringing God's favor, and this is the blessing he's giving to the next generation, and it was just stolen. It looks like Jacob's winning, but I want to tell you there's a lot of ways to lose in wrestling. It looks like Jacob stole the birthright, the blessing, but you know what he lost? The closeness in the relationships. Now his brother has a grudge. His brother wants to take him out. He's going to flee the house. He's going to run away. And did he win? Did he not win? When we wrestle with other people and we have some shady tactics, we might initially feel like we win. We're not winning. When you sin against God, you might initially feel like you're winning. You're not winning. I'm not winning when I rebel against the Lord. Now, God is gracious, and Jacob is going to be in a place called Bethel. God is going to, in a dream, show him this stairway to heaven. And there's angels ascending and descending. God is revealing himself to Jacob. And God, in his grace, even though Jacob's been deceptive, even though we've been rebellious, Father God sent his son Jesus. Even though Jacob has been rebellious, Father God reveals himself to Jacob and with a promise says, Jacob, this land is yours. You will have descendants and you will have an abundance of descendants. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bring you back to the land and you can count on me because I'm faithful. And Jacob takes note and he says, surely God was in this place and I didn't realize it. We've all had those moments in life where we suddenly became more aware of God and his presence and his word. And the light bulb goes on and Jacob's starting to realize the goodness of God in the middle of his deception. But there's not a transformation right here. And instead, there's blessings received by Jacob from God, but there's no transformation. You know, as you follow Jesus, it's easy to slip into the, God, bless me, I don't want to be transformed but bless me, and I'm going to receive blessings, but I'm not receiving God's transformation at the core. And that's where Jacob is, and that was Genesis 28. One more WrestleMania, WrestleMania 4, Genesis 29. Take a look at verse 21. You know what sound I really like in life? It's this sound right here. It's the sound of Bible pages being turned. And uh, may that sound in our churches, and our homes, may that sound, uh, it's just a glorious sound. All right, Genesis 29, WrestleMania 4, uh, verse 21. And now Jacob, he was able to kind of out-wrestle and outwit his brother Esau, but now he's going to go up against Uncle Laban. And Uncle Laban is no pushover. And sometimes in life we feel like, you know, there's someone I can kind of outmaneuver. I figured that person out. But then there's someone else that we run into that's going to totally out-wrestle us. And someone can always out-wrestle you. Jacob is going to go up against Laban, his uncle. And verse uh, 21, 
we read, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, my time is completed, and I want to lie with her. This is because Laban said, If you work for me seven years, I will give you my daughter, Rachel, as your husband. So he worked for seven years. Then Laban brought together all the people of the place. He gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah, not Rachel. Leah's the oldest, and gave her to Jacob. And Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter as her maidservant. And the Bible says, when the morning came, there was Leah. Jacob was stunned. He was stunned. He thought he was going to marry Rachel. He partied. The feast was so great. He was so tired late at night. He didn't even realize that he was laying with Leah, uh, not Rachel, the oldest. And now he has to work another seven years, and then he'll have Rachel. Then he'll have two wives. This explains the two wives. He's been wrestling with God. He's been wrestling with Laban. And now he really ends up in kind of a mess. Two wives, two maidservants. And uh, right here, to summarize his life so far, to summarize WrestleMania, Jacob doesn't want to do things God's way. Can you relate? Jacob doesn't want to do things God's way. And now here's the fruit of not doing things God's way. Now he's going to be on the run. He's going to feel like he wins in some ways because, well, he did end up with two wives. Now he's got children. Now he's got possessions. Now he's wealthy and he's a shepherd. And he's going to feel like there's some good things going on, but he's going to be on the run. He's now been on the run for about 20 years. 20 years on the run from other people, on the run from his past, on the run probably from some guilt and shame, on the run from pain of broken relationships, he's on the run. And God directs him to go back, to go back home and to restore and to go to his brother Esau. That is the context for WrestleMania 5, which is now Jacob alone. He's on the verge of meeting Esau's brother. He sends his family ahead, and he's there just waiting alone. You figure after 20 years, right, what's going to happen? And WrestleMania 5, here's our main feature, Genesis 32, to get back to our main text, verse 25. Now we read, When the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob... He touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. There's some mystery in this wrestling match. Who did Jacob wrestle against? You read the translation. Some will say he wrestled against a man, an unknown man. But then as you read different Bible scholars and commentaries, many will say that he wrestled with an angel. But others will say that he wrestled with the pre-incarnate Christ. Who did he wrestle with? There's some mystery. I don't know for sure. There's in the Old Testament some different mysterious figures. We read in this series already, Melchizedek was a priest and a king. And who is Melchizedek? Again, some would say maybe the pre-incarnate Christ. When you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it's more fun to say Shadrach, Meshach, and a bean burrito, but when the three of them were in the fire and there was a fourth in the fire, who is the fourth? Was it an angel was the pre-incarnate Christ. And there's some mystery and there's some things we don't know. 100% certainty is not there as we read the Bible. But here's some things that we do know. God intimately wrestled with Jacob. You know, I have four children and I'm still in an age range where I can wrestle three or four of them at once. 
And that window's closing for me. I mean, I can get maybe one or two kind of trapped in my legs and with my arms, I'm trying to hold down another one. Uh, Sometimes when I see that there's an older one wrestling a younger one, I see it's a mismatch. And I'll say to the older one, come on over here, big guy. Come on over here. You want some wrestling? I see you want some wrestling. Come on over. Let's do some wrestling. That's not, that's not giving you much of a challenge. Come on over. Come on over. And it's just kind of a fun way to wrestle with some of the older ones. And I think God sees Jacob wrestling with Esau. And God's watching all the wrestling with Laban. And God's kind of saying, come on over. Come on over. And when I wrestle with my kids, I kind of ask them. And sometimes they comment to me, Uh, Dad, how hard are you going to try? And I say, well, how hard do you want me to try? Do you want it easy? Do you want kind of a match? What, What do you want? You know, and I think in some ways, God is almost like Jacob. How much do you want, Jacob? How much do you want to go after? How much do you want to wrestle with me, Jacob? Do you ever sense God asking you that? How much do you really want to wrestle with me? Are you done wrestling with me? Do you want more? Do you want some more? Okay, let's, let's keep going. And this wrestling that happens right here, it's intimate and intense. John Acuff says, wrestling with God is a sign of intimacy. You can't wrestle with someone whom you are far away from. And God is wrestling with Jacob, and the wrestling match, we know it's an all-nighter. It goes all night. The wrestling in the darkness, kind of symbolic of Jacob's life, a lot of wrestling in the darkness. And now it's daylight and they're still wrestling. Now, God is going to touch Jacob's hip. This is, you know, the strongest part of the body for a wrestler. That's that strongest sinew. And God, in his power, just one touch, that hip is dislocated. That hip is out of place. That hip is in trouble with God's touch. And it's a reminder that God touches us with his love and his grace to bring us back to him. And sometimes he touches us with his power and his truth to bring us back to him. And he knows what we need, but that's his touch. God wrestles with us to humble us, and it's a blessing of humility that God wants to bring into our lives. There's a wrestling aspect that's negative, that we sin, we're stubborn, and we oppose God, and we demand our will and our plan. But there's a really positive aspect of wrestling in this intimacy and seeking God and drawing close to him. So in this last uh, half of the message here, we're going to look at three good things that we see from this wrestling match, three inspiring things from this wrestling match. The first one is tenacity. And in Genesis 32, let's read verse 26. Take a look at the tenacity in this wrestling match. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. This is a real physical encounter. This is a conversation that's happening, and Jacob is clinging, and he won't let go. At this point, I don't think Jacob could really run. I don't think Jacob's going to do a jump off the top ropes with his hip. I don't think Jacob's able to do a lot of wrestling moves, But the one thing Jacob can do is cling to God. The one thing he can do is hold on and not let go. I encourage you in your tenacity that God gives you in the year 2020, hold on to God's word. This year, hold on like Jacob's holding on right here. Hold on to God's word. Hold on to the joy of the Lord. Hold on to your hope. 
Hold on to God. Psalm 63 says, I cling to you, God, and your right hand upholds me. When you can't do anything else, cling to the Lord like Jacob's clinging to the Lord. And when he says, bless me, that's not just like, oh, give me a quick blessing. What he's ultimately saying when he asked for the blessing is that I know my self-reliance is not enough. My self-sufficiency will not get me through life. My arrogance is not going to pull this off. It doesn't matter if I have all the self-confidence in the world. That is not going to win the battle of life. I need a new source. I need you, God. I can't call the shots. I'm turning away from my independence. And God, I'm looking to you for strength. And God gives strength to all of us. We all have strength from the Lord. And I encourage you to think about how you're stewarding your strength. Every day, you're deciding how you're going to invest and steward the strength that God has given to you. What are you going to say to people? What are you going to do? How are you going to seek God? And my encouragement is, as stubborn as we are in sin, and we all are, we hold on to the same sin sometimes for many years, every day we go back to sin, as stubborn as we are in sin, you know what? Let's be stubborn in seeking God. Let's get really tenacious and stubborn about seeking God's face, holding on to God, drawing near to God. And uh, let the challenges of this year drive you to prayer. If COVID goes longer, drive us to prayer. There's more restrictions, drive us to prayer. Let's abide and with the power of God, let's live for the Lord. Let's transform the cities around us. Let's hold on to the Lord like Jacob's holding on to here, persistence in prayer. Sometimes, you know, in a prosperous land like America, prayer can be an afterthought. Prayer can be a little dabble over here. Prayer can be casual. Prayer can be lost. Prayer can be in terms of being distracted, trusting methods, technology. There's so many places we can go and kind of skimp on the prayer. Jacob is seeking God in prayer. He's holding on to God. Samuel Chadwick describes it this way. When you think about prayer, there is no power like that of prevailing prayer. Of Abraham pleading for Sodom, Jacob wrestling in the stillness of the night, Moses standing in the breach, Hannah intoxicated with sorrow, David heartbroken with remorse and grief, Jesus in sweat and blood. Such prayer prevails. It brings power. It brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. It brings God. We seek the Lord in prayer. Epaphras is a man in the Bible, Colossians 4.12. It says he wrestled in prayer. Agonizomai. You think of agonizing and agony. To wrestle is to strive for, contend, go to battle. And Epaphras is praying for other people that they would stand firm in their faith and he's wrestling in prayer. You know what we need to do right now? We need to wrestle in prayer like Epaphras, wrestle in prayer so that each other, together, we will stand firm in the faith right now with everything that's going on. And sometimes with a culture that's attacking the faith more and more, we need to wrestle in prayer, stand firm in the faith, trust the Lord. That's the wrestling. That's the tenacity. This is not a time to be asleep in your walk with God. This is a time to tenaciously hold on to God, trust Him, and let Him be our strength this year. God will give us strength. So we see tenacity in this wrestling. We also see this transformation happen. And in verse 27, 
Here's the transformation. The man asked him, asked Jacob, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And and we'll, we'll pause there. Jacob, again, what's his name mean? Grasper the heel, deceiver. When he says, what's your name? Uh, that's not like we casually, you know, introduce each other, uh, just get to know each other, say, hey, what's your name? This isn't a, hey, what's your name? Oh, yeah, that's right, it's Jacob. That's not the conversation. What's your name? Name was attached to identity in that culture. What's your identity? Who are you? By saying his name, it was two things. It was submission in the battle. I'm going to share my name. Uh, and also, it's an ownership that my name is deceiver. It's a confession. There's a confession before the blessing. Confessing precedes the blessing. He's going to admit, I've been a deceiver. My name is Jacob. I have deceived so many people. This is who I am. This is my identity. That's where he's at at this point in the wrestling. And like I said earlier, God will wrestle the pride out of us. He will wrestle the denial out of us. He will wrestle the sin out of us. He's wrestling this out of Jacob right here. And Jacob is saying, I see my weakness. I see my brokenness. I see how much I need God. And maybe you're at that point today. Maybe you're not quite there. Will you come before God? I see my brokenness. I see my sin. I see my need for you. My name is Jacob. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to trust you. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus gives us a new identity And he gives us a new name. We are not independent. Uh, We are instead in his family forever. He gives you a new identity. And you're a new creation. And you're his sons and daughters. And this family is eternal. And this kingdom will never never lose. This kingdom is unstoppable. He gives you a new identity, a new name. And uh, you receive it. You're a priest. That's another name he gives you. That's who you are. You're his ambassador. That's your identity. Your identity is in the Lord. Not in your achievement. Not in your resume. Not in your other relationships. Your identity is in the Lord. Not in your finances, your education. Your identity is in the Lord. Jacob is getting a new identity, a new name. His name's going to be Israel. And he's going to be learning here. Israel means God fights. He's fought with God, but now he fights for God. God fights for him. He has 12 sons, going to be 12 tribes. Going to be a nation with great purpose. Uh, God's life. And then also the light would shine and the blessings would flow to the nations. That was the design right here. And what he's learning is that when he's overwhelmed in life, he can rely on God. The Apostle Paul kept saying the same thing. When life is overwhelming, that's when we learn how we can rely on God. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Maybe you feel this in 2020. There's great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. Sometimes people ask or they falsely quote, they say, well, God won't allow more stuff in life, in my life. He won't give me more than I can handle. And the truth is, he will give you far more than you can handle. He will give you far more than you can handle. And why would he allow that? 
Why would he allow that? Because it's painful. It's difficult. We feel our self-sufficiency isn't working. Why does he allow that? Because we despaired, Paul says. This is the Apostle Paul saying we despaired even of life itself. We dipped so low. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but rely on God who raises the dead, who doesn't run out of power, who doesn't run out of strength and hope. And I'm learning how to abide. I'm learning how to rely. And I'm learning how to overcome. And Jacob, you're not going to win in life by deceiving people. You're going to win in life by relying on the Lord. And you're going to need to rely on the Lord because you're going to be in the context of many pagan people who are going to attack God and attack God's truth. And you are going to need to stand firm. You are going to need this transformation. You're going to need to shine the light of God in a dark world, Jacob. Uh, That's going to be the purpose of this new nation. It's the purpose of our lives is to shine the light. You're going to need to stand strong in truth. Stand strong in the word. Stand strong who you know God is and don't deny him. There's a transformation happening and you're going to have to stand up. But it all comes from your new identity. It's not an outward working of your own strength. There's a new identity that you have that you embrace. And know that new identity and relationship, then that strength is going to flow and you're going to shine my light. It's going to be the fruit of abiding with me. There's a deep transformation that happens in Jacob's life right here. And not only tenacity and transformation, but let's take a look at the turning point. There's a turning point in Jacob's life. Verse 29, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? He's not going to get the name. He's not going to get the name. Uh, There's going to be no surrender to Jacob. But then he blessed Jacob there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. There's a turning point here in Jacob's relationship with God. Peniel, God's face. There's a new intimacy with God. Out of wrestling with God, he knows the depths of God's love, his grace, and he knows the power of God's hand in a new way. He's met with God. Have there been moments in your life where you've met with God, penile, more intimate with God than you ever have before? This is the point right here, a turning point in his relationship with God, with intimacy with God. God invites us into this kind of relationship. Hebrews chapter 4 Jesus has made a way. He's our intercessor, mediator, savior. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I never knew I could be so close to God. That's what Jesus opens up for all of us. Peniel, the face of God. And this is a turning point geographically. Right here, the Jabok. And there's, in Hebrew, there's these three words, Jabok. Then you got Jacob. Then you got wrestled. And they all sound very similar. It's kind of a play on, on words together here. But this location, the Jabok stream, it flows into the Jordan River. He's on the verge of re-entering the promised land. He's on the verge of crossing over, going back into Canaan right here geographically. And I want to point out, there's often a wrestling before the crossing. There's a wrestling before you step into that new territory and victory that God has for you. There's also a brokenness right before the breakthrough. 
You say, how does that work? God gives us that humility, that brokenness, humility, brokenness, synonyms there. He gives us that before the breakthrough. In other words, God is getting Jacob ready to step into the land to meet Esau again. And Jacob, instead of being one who grabs, is going to become one who gives. Instead of being one who me, now with Esau, he's going to meet his brother. He's going to kiss his brother. He's going to give gifts to his brother. He's going to have a heart of restoration. He's going to have the humility needed to enter in to the promised land in the restoration in the relationship. God might be working on you right now so that you have the humility that God wants you to have to enter in to that role, career, that situation, that relationship, that restoration. God will break us down. He'll break our pride so that we'll have the humility to move forward and to trust him. And in this passage, Jacob goes from resisting God to now resting in God. And he's got a new limp. (laughs) He's got a new limp that he didn't have before this wrestling. And maybe in life, um, you've been feeling like there's kind of a new limp. This year, the last couple years, and that limp, that limp, it's just there now. And Jacob is going from a wrestler to a worshiper. And that limp reminds him to worship. He's going to worship in Genesis 35 in Bethel. Remember that place where God revealed himself, stairway to heaven? Well, Jacob is now in the same place but his worship is different. Maybe you came into Grace Community Church two years ago, and you're in the same place today, but your worship is different today. And now it's your whole heart. And now Jacob isn't just receiving blessings, but there's been a transformation. He's a worshiper. He's going to worship God as God's going to lead him later in life to Egypt. He's going to worship God in Beersheba. He's going to limp. He's going to worship God wherever he goes because he's not a wrestling against God anymore. Now he's standing for the Lord, even with a limp, and he's worshiping God in different countries. He's worshiping God. God might lead you. Familiar places, new places. Jacob was a wrestler. Now he's a worshiper. And wherever he goes, he's going to worship God. Worship God. May praise just break forth in our life right now. May praise not be held back by any circumstances or situation. And the limp that we feel just reminds us, rely on the Lord. We need the Lord. Let's trust the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Let's walk with the Lord. Every time we feel the pain of that limp, it's just a reminder, I'm I'm a worshiper. God's grace is sufficient. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to worship the Lord. Jesus is our living hope. And in the Bible, God has many names. One of the names that God chooses is that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what he's saying there is that he's the God of wrestlers. Those are three wrestlers. That God transforms stubborn and sinful people who resist him. He transforms them into worshipers. From wrestlers into worshipers. We can relate to being a wrestler. And he's the God of grace who transforms people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and us. Let's not resist the Lord. Let's be ready to worship him all week long. Abide with Jesus together. Continue to follow and trust the Lord. Have a great week. Yo, subscribe to the YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to this channel.